As I prayed, it is, you know that it is Passover begins in just, just an hour or so for our Jewish friends. Um, Passover always doesn't fall on Good Friday, but this particular night, it does. So this is a very special night. Um, when I was planning this message, I didn't realize that it was going to be Passover. And then I opened the paper today and I find, well, maybe it's the Lord. So if you'll turn to the passage that Pastor Ryan read, Exodus chapter 12. Tonight we're remembering the day that Jesus was crucified. It's called Good Friday. That was the day that he died. He took our place on the cross for our sins. And yet it is Passover evening. Now our worship, however as we remember, does not go just back to that day 2,000 years ago, but it goes back even further, fourteen, another 1,400 years, all the way back to the day our Jewish friends call Passover. The Passover, most of us remember, was instituted because the children of Israel had been in bondage to Egypt for four generations. This was the night they were going to be set free from their slavery. They had been in bondage to a pharaoh that did not remember Joseph, their benefactor. And now there had been nine plagues up till now, and the final plague was coming this night, the tenth plague. And God wanted the believers, the Jewish people, the people that obeyed his word, to not have that tenth plague come on their houses. And he was going to pass over them. So we want to look at that. Christians have a connection to our Jewish friends. You see, our faith doesn't start in the New Testament. It goes way back. It goes back to a man called Abraham, the father of the faithful. And when we put our faith and our trust in the Lamb of God, we become sons and daughters of Abraham. The context of this passage, as I said, has to do with the the children of Israel being delivered from the bondage in Egypt And here in verse 1 we see Moses and Aaron receiving the instructions of how they were to celebrate this, how they were to institute this deliverance from Egypt. And what I want to do tonight in just a few minutes is see that the values that were spoken of that night, 3,400 years ago, uh, will enrich what we are celebrating here tonight. So there is an outline that was handed to you in your worship uh, sheet there. So we want to look. The values that were imparted to our Jewish friends 3,400 years ago speak directly to us as we celebrate this Good Friday. 
Verse 2, notice what it says. This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is the first month of the year to you. First thing that we see, the first value that leaps out at us is the Passover pointed towards a new beginning. A new beginning. Notice, this was instituted. This is the beginning of the year for our Jewish friends. New calendar. The calendar that was in Egypt, forgotten. The life that they lived in Egypt, past. They were no longer slaves in Egypt, but they were children of the living God. They were the children of Israel, starting a brand new life. That which they had lived for four generations in Egypt was over. It was done. They were starting something completely new. Now, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Bible tells us that if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. (laughs) The old things have passed away. We are new creatures in Christ. Jesus' death was not just a tragic accident, a a tragedy that took place to an innocent man perpetrated on him by the Romans and the Jewish leaders, but it was part of the predetermined plan of God that we might find forgiveness for our problem. (laughs) What's our problem? Sin. (laughs) There's a problem. We have a problem. And it is sin. The Bible tells us if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we now have peace with God. Peace with God. No more excuses. No more justifying ourselves. We have found forgiveness and we have peace with God. The Bible says that when we have faith in Jesus Christ, He gifts us. He gives us gifts. Combined with the natural abilities born within us, we can begin to be the person that we've always wanted to be. The person that we've dreamed of being. The person that loves and respects God. It's a brand new life. A brand new life. Those that haven't found faith in Christ are driven by desires for power, for money, for fame, for fortune. And oftentimes in this sin-drenched world, they are very frustrated that it doesn't exactly come all together. But the children of God have found a purpose and meaning in life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you are truly unleavened, For indeed, the Messiah, our Passover, was sacrificed to us, for us. Leaven is a picture of sin. Get rid of the old leaven. It's a brand new life. Now, I had this, um, providentially, I got a letter from a Jewish believer talking about Passover. And I thought, oh, this is another sign from God. Listen to what he says. What is leaven and how does it relate to the Passover? 
In a week or two before Passover, observant Jews today ceremoniously clean their entire homes from top to bottom and eliminate every piece of leaven from their house. Reasons for this include the notion that God commanded the Israelites to gather their possessions and follow Moses out of Egypt. They had no time to prepare food. They had just enough time to mix together flour and water as they went on their journey. When all the leaven has been removed from the home of the observant Jew, the head of the household will proclaim, God, our home has been purged of all the leaven to the best of my knowledge and is now ready for your presence. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. In Ephesians chapter 4, The Apostle Paul talks about that same subject when he says that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self and put on the new self, which is in likeness of God and has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Then he begins to detail the new life that a believer should have as a result of believing in Christ Jesus. He says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for in the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and clamor and anger and slander be put away from you along with all malice and be kind to one another Tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Paul shows us that when we believe in the Passover lamb, and when we believe in that which took place on Good Friday, it's a whole new way of life. Putting aside that which we lived before we were a believer, to take on the characteristics and follow the pattern set by Christ. Passover points to a new beginning for us, for our Jewish friends. Notice verses 3 through 6. Passover pointed toward an unblemished lamb. An unblemished lamb. Notice what it says. Verse 5, the lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old. Now, why was this command given? Why an unblemished lamb? Why not just a, just a regular nice lamb? Well, God knows our propensity, doesn't he? He knows our propensity. If we're going to give something to God, why give something that we still have use for? Why not? Well, you know, you've seen this. You've got this big old TV. You've now got the new thin line, big screen TV hanging in your wall. You've got this big, thick, old TV well, why not give it to the church? You don't want it anymore. Or perhaps you've got a couch and perhaps there's some stains from your little baby when she threw up on it and the dog had a little accident and you want to get a new couch. So what do you do with it? Well, let's give it to the youth pastor. Maybe he can use it. You see, we're always ready to give God what we don't want anymore. 
And so in a practical way, he says, no, 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 no. This is special. This is, has, it's a sacrifice, and it must be a sacrifice. <laughs> Give us the best you've got, the one that you were saving that was going to propagate lots of healthy sheep. Give me that one, the special one. So there's a practical side, but there's also a theological side. It was pointing towards something. Well, it wasn't something. It was someone. It was pointing to someone. Who was it pointing to? To Jesus, of course. There's a trail that moves through the Bible in talking about this lamb. Isaiah 53, the classic passage about the suffering servant says, that he would be like a lamb led to slaughter and God would lay on him the iniquity of us all. John chapter 1, verse 29. John the Baptist, when he sees Jesus coming to be baptized, what does he say? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In Hebrews 4.15 It tells us that Jesus was tempted in all ways as us, yet without sin. Hebrews 7.26 says that he was holy, innocent, undefiled, and separate from you and I, sinners. Hebrews 9.14 says he was without blemish and he cleanses our conscience from dead works. And finally... In Revelation chapter 5, verse 6, the Apostle John, in heaven, sees a lamb that had been slain. And only he, only he, is able to take the book, the scroll, from the hand of the one who sits on the throne of God, which reveals how God is going to pull it all together here on this earth. The Passover pointed towards an unblemished lamb. For the Jews, this was a very, very special sacrifice. For us, we see Jesus, the Messiah, as a sinless sacrifice who died for us. The Passover pointed towards a new beginning. The Passover pointed towards an unblemished lamb. Look at verses 7 and 13. The Passover pointed towards the deliverance by the blood of the unblemished lamb. Notice verse 7. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. And then verse 13 talks about the blood also. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when you see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. When the lamb was slain, the blood was applied to the two doorposts and the lentils. Doorposts and the lentils forming a cross. Most of us have seen that. In Leviticus it says, there is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. They were to mark the houses. Well, I can't think of any better way. I mean, they've They've slain the lamb. They've got all this blood. What are you going to do with this blood? Well, let's make a mark on the door to show, indeed, 
that we are followers of God. And the Lord tells them that when they do that, when he sees the blood on the door, he will pass over them. The plague would not affect them. Now the plague, as we see in verse, 13, in verse 12, was that the firstborn of the land would be killed. The plague would not come upon them. There are at least seven, if not more, major passages in the New Testament that deal with the importance of the blood of Jesus. Listen to them. Luke chapter 22, 20. Jesus says, This is the blood that institutes a new covenant. New covenant. Not like the old covenant. No longer having to go to Jerusalem. No longer having to offer sacrifices. But there has been a new covenant. Not just for the Jewish folks, but for all of the people of this world. God has established a new covenant, and the new covenant was established in his blood. In Romans chapter 9, uh, excuse me, 5, verse 9, it says we are justified, we are declared righteous by his blood, and we are saved from his wrath. Ephesians 1, 7 says... Redemption, we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of our sins. Ephesians 2.13 says, Once we were far off, away from God, but now we have been brought near by his blood. Hebrews 9.11, as I said, the blood cleanses us, our conscience, from dead works. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, We are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And 1 John 1, 9 says that the blood of Jesus Christ keeps on continually through our lives, cleansing us from all our sins. He has established a new covenant. He has justified us. He has redeemed us. He's brought us near and he is continually cleansing us through the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, the blood on the door of the Jews was a mark. And it said, we believed God's word. We obeyed God's word. We took the lamb. We slayed it. We put the blood on the door. We ate it as we were told, and we are ready to go. We believe God's word. It pointed to those who believed and those Egyptians who did not believe. But the blood on the door was not just a sign for the Lord to pass over, but it pointed towards something greater. The greater being the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. Finally, verses 12 and 13, the Passover pointed towards judgment. There was a plague coming. There was a plague coming. And the plague would kill all the firstborn in the land. But the blood in the door would alleviate the judgment of all those 
people in that house. The Bible declares that God is light and in, his, in him is no darkness. If that's true, yes. <laughs> he is absolutely perfect, holy, righteous, and just. Uh-oh. He will make everything right. That means he must deal with our sin. The problem is, all of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. All of us face the judgment of God. Now, there's a problem. It says, the Bible tells us that God loves all of his creation. That God is not, takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He's not seeking to judge anybody. The problem is not with God, but is with me and you. The sin. And so what did he do? Well, he sent his son, the fullest expression of his love, to take our place. That the judgment fell on Jesus. And when we believe in him, the Lord's judgment passes over us. All that we find that happened that night found its fulfillment in that first Good Friday. It had meaning for our Jewish friends, of course, yes it did. But it was only a small taste of what God really wanted to do when he sent the Lamb of God to redeem the sin of the world. Now, in Moses' day, people had a choice. Didn't they? I mean, they heard the instructions from Moses. They could have said, well, eh, I don't know, honey. What do you want to do? Watch a movie and just go to bed? I mean, I don't know. What's this about the lamb? Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to. Let's just go to bed. They could have done that, couldn't they? They had a choice. We have a choice. <laughs> when we hear the word of the Lord, we can yield to it and believe it. And in a, in a sense, believing in the Passover lamb. Not putting blood on our door, but our faith is saying, we believe. I believe what the Word of God says. And I might put my faith. Because Jesus has done it all, has He not? He's done it all. It's all done. But the one thing He cannot do for us is believe in Him. We must exercise faith. Now, faith is not a work. It's just belief. Hebrews 11 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Our father Abraham, it says, going all the way back to Genesis 12, it says, And Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Just believing. We have a choice. Do we believe? Or we do not believe God's word. Okay. Passover pointed towards a new beginning, an unblemished lamb, the blood of an unblemished lamb, and the judgment which all focuses us in right on the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, if we're believers uh, today and tonight, what does this passage say to us? Well, we need to go back. We need to go back to that first Passover. Remember what was said there? <laughs> It was a new beginning. 
Let me ask you a question, believers. Does your life reflect a new beginning? Does it? Does it? Is it different from the way before you believed? Believing the Messiah means a new beginning. We should be different from the Egyptians, different from the unbelievers. Now, how about for those who are here, perhaps, who are not believers? You have a perfect right. It's a choice. Nobody can make you believe anything. You must choose to believe or not believe. And you have a perfect right to do that. And I would never force anyone to do anything they didn't want to do. It's a choice. Nobody forced me. However, I'd ask you to do one thing. Most Americans believe in a God. Okay. And I believe almost everybody in this room who's not a believer, believes in in God. Maybe perhaps not the God of the Bible, but you believe there is a God. Ask yourself this question. What is keeping me from being a believer? What What is it that's keeping me from being a believer in Jesus Christ as the Passover lamb? What is it that's keeping me from doing that? Ask yourself that question. And you might have two or three. Well, there's, there's this. And there's Pastor Neil. And there's whatever, whatever it happens to be. Uh, then ask God to show you in a real way why that's not a valid reason. And then watch to see what happens. If you're not a believer, just say, God... The reason I'm not a Christian is because da 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 da. Show me where I'm wrong. And watch what he would do. Pray that as an honest prayer. And then see what happens. Pray with me, please. Lord, we thank you for the Passover lamb. (laughs) Going all the way back 3,400 years ago that our Jewish friends are celebrating tonight. But we know it finds its fulfillment in the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world, even as John cried out. May each one of us hear the Word of God and believe it, even as our Jewish believers 3,400 years ago believed it and found deliverance from the judgment of God. May that be true for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.